0: welcome back ladies and gentlemen to another episode of the overlap we've been talking a lot about english premier league football the big game of course this past week liverpool playing tottenham should I read it for our listeners, Ryan? I mean, I think most of our listeners know at this point. <laughs> Tottenham won 5-3. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Liverpool, <football> won. <laughs> won, no. Liverpool won. Football won. Liverpool won. 2-1, exactly as our old coach and advisor told us uh, they would. 2-1 with uh, <laughs> Mo Salah and Firmino getting on the score sheet exactly as uh, he put it. So shout out to Mr. Lasky there. Uh, but Ryan we're going to, we're going to shift focus towards whatever the hell is going on in La Liga. Um, it seems to me that. I don't know. Maybe there's a title race. I don't know. I'm just, I'll just, I'll leave you with that. But anyway, <laughs> what's going on, Rion? how's your week
1: going? Uh, it's going well. It's going well, Elias. Um, yeah, not nothing to nothing to worry about right, right now. We're at the end of the close to the end of the year, people are checking out. People are trying to I don't know, spend as much time with their families as they can. Have, have right you checked now. out? Is that why you're saying that? Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not home, so I, I might be asking you the same question. <laughs> I, I am not checked out. <laughs> no, no, no. Whoa, well, there! <laughs> but uh, but no, no. no. All good, all good. Though, how about yourself?
0: I'm good. I am. Um, yeah. It's. I think a lot of people are taking time off between now and the end of the year, and even into like beginning of January. But I'm not. I am still busy trying to do business with clients um, and uh, helping them the best I can. So, if my manager is listening to this, know that I'm working hard. <laughs> it's a sh- shameless plug. But anyway. Yeah, a lot of a lot of fun stuff actually happened the last couple of days. Like we talked about snowstorm. Yeah. Oh my god, it was beautiful. Like this morning, when I woke up and like I saw the snow, and we got like six or seven inches, like around the Philly area, and New York got even more. Like I would love to be in your backyard right now. I would love to be there. I, I can't even imagine what that looked like. But yes, it was so nice getting some snow for the. Fr- it was the first time I think in over two years. That we saw
1: like that amount of snow. Yeah, we didn't really get, and nothing close to this last year, of course. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Completely different year over year. But uh, yeah, that was definitely like a nice surprise before Christmas. Who knows? We might have a white Christmas, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. But we'll see. Um, but yeah, a little. That's the little things in life in 2020 this year. But anyway, let's move on to the topic at hand, Rion. Let's start off in Spain with. Uh, shall we go to the the capital and talk uh, a little bit about whatever happened over the past weekend in the, the Madrid derby? And let's let's start off with Real Madrid, Rian. Um, about ten days ago, we went on the pod and said that Zidane's job might be at risk if he lost mm. one or even two. Or I should say two or even one of these games. Um, and then, of course, in the most Zidane black magic way ever, he uh, went on to convincingly win in all three games so do you do you still fire him <laughs> is that the question
1: <laughs> uh, not? i think it's well we weren't wrong his job was at risk for sure like if they if they didn't beat gladbach and um and also if they i guess if they'd lost that they game was it sevilla uh, right before the, the Gladbach. Yeah. They if they had lost that and maybe and then drawn Gladbach drawn against Gladbach and not made it through to the group stage. <laughs> or sorry, to the knockout stage, he would have definitely been gone like Thursday morning. But yeah. um but no, anyway, I, I thought he was safe going into the Atleti game because of what happened during the uh, on the last day of the Champions League. But Uh, he's even more safe now because they they went out and won. Um, I think I think a draw would have been fine, would have been all things good too, honestly, in terms of his uh job security. But no, they went out and they and they just found a way to win again against against Athletic. Where I mean, a game that didn't have a lot of chances between both the sides, honestly, but in the end, just uh. karen Benzema, again being in the right place, at the right time, as and, and that's honestly feels like an understatement for him. I mean, that's just like the, the quality <laughs> of get of of his movement, everything about him, like he, him being on the pitch, just changes everything for Madrid's attack and gives it like an actual focal point and a really effective one at that. Yeah, and is and yeah you know, we. I mean, his influence that has grown so much since uh, Cristiano Ronaldo has left and his output has gone up and that coupled with the fact that he's getting older but, like we said before, aging like fine wine. Um, him and Donny Carver Hall's just great strike. This ridiculous. Goal, which, Actually which ridiculous. That it, it sucks that it went down as an own goal. <laughs> because and that's, yeah. really, that's really stupid. That's just so dumb. I But he hits he hits it beautifully on the half volley and it um hits off the post and then hits off the back of Yano block and, and goes in. But um at the end of the day it was just that, that was the difference. The moments the moments that, that Real Madrid come up with a lot a lot of the time and that was kind of the difference. Um on the day. I don't think anything for Athletic to be too um be too disappointed with. I mean I think Really? Well,
0: they did. They did concede two goals in a season, which they've only conceded two yeah. goals the entire time. Yeah,
1: but that, I mean, it, it's. I don't think there's a lot they could do about about either those goals. Really, really, like I, I thought those were just really two really good goals. And you could say they didn't create enough. That's that's a de- I think that's a decent criticism. They didn't create enough. Um, and yeah, at the end of the day, they, they just didn't pull out those moments that um, Real Madrid just seemed to do when their backs are against the wall every time but oh to you I mean what's the thought of is Real Madrid back on track right now and are we still are they really only back on track as long as Karen Benzoa and Sergio Ramos are in the team
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so my answer is obviously gonna be convoluted it's gonna be yes and no Um It's going to be yes in the sense that, like, I don't think that our listeners understand how significant these three games were. Like, the first game against Sevilla, against a side that obviously won the Europa League, we know that, but had not maybe been doing as well as they would have wanted at this point in La Liga, and coming up against them at home, that's a team that, sorry, I believe it was away, that's a team that you need to beat to feel confident going forward into a game where, well, let's go to the second game. If you don't win, you're potentially out of the Champions League for the first time ever before the knockout rounds. That's the second point. The third point, then if you go on to lose to a team that has only conceded two goals, obviously this season, then you are in such a bad spot as a Real Madrid manager. It doesn't matter if you're Zidane Zidane, it doesn't matter if you're Pep Guardiola. It, that part of things is just hard, very, very hard to pass by. So I think that Real Madrid are on track. It's just, there's a small caveat. And I think you hit, you kind of hit that point. They got their mojo back a little bit, right? They got their confidence back. They're they're starting to play well, they're creative. They're no longer vacating all these spaces in the middle of the park because that's really what led to a lot of their problems, especially two weeks ago against Avez counterattacking, just opening up that, that middle of the park area. Luka Modric and Casemiro have done an incredible job, and Tony Kroos to a degree as well, at solidifying that and really throwing it back to the 2017 days where they basically start every game. The only problem now is, of course, you can't start Luka Modric at his age every single game. So this leads me to my second point. I don't know if (laughs) Real Madrid with... Sergio Ramos, Karim Benzema, and Luka Modric on the pitch are a completely different side from those three not being on the pitch. And that's the worrying side for for Real Madrid fans is because you don't have any direct replacements for them anymore. Okay, Luka Jovic was supposed to be that replacement for Benzema. Not really living up to his expectations yet. Injured, consistently having problems with goal scoring, not that player. Okay, Eden Hazard doesn't play in the same position and also very injury-prone now all of a sudden. Who else do we have? No one really filling Sergio Ramos's shoes because Nacho's not going to do that, and Varane already occupies one spot. And then you look at Luka Modric. Okay, Odegaard could be that replacement, but you're years off from him reaching his peak. So Real Madrid in the long term, I think, have a much bigger problem, but in the short term, they can in some ways patch some of the gaps, I guess, that they've, they've been up against.
1: Yeah. But but we know how Real Madrid operates, though they don't think in the oh, yeah. long term and like <laughs> I mean, like it's it's they really only think of the short term. So their short term is let's get through this season, maybe make it we'll make a title challenge. Uh and let's they always expect that they'll probably do very well in the Champions League. And let's get to next summer where we can spend all the money that we saved last summer when we didn't try to sign anyone. So Yeah.
0: Yeah, basically. I mean, they're going to go out next summer and get a Galactico. I'm just telling you right yeah. now, if you're not expecting that, you have very weird expectations. They're fully going to get a Galactico. I don't know who it's going to be, if it's Mbappe, Holland, etc. If I had to put money on it, yeah, I'd probably put it on Mbappe. But pff, hell if I know. They're going to get someone just to make it look good, but it, it might not. In a very Barcelona-esque way, it may not fit in at all with what they're Trying to or have to <laughs> fill, so look out for that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean Real Madrid are uh, in a decent spot.
1: Yeah, but but speaking of the, the Champions League, Elliot, what were your thoughts on the on Real Madrid drawing Atalanta for the round of sixteen? I, th- it's it's a it's a tough tie for Real
0: Madrid. Let's be honest. Like Atalanta are still an amazing counter attacking team, an amazing team that still can score goals, but have not lived up to the same hype that they have or they did last season. That's, that's obvious. I think that if this team in January loses Pal Gomez, then I think they're yeah. a different side than if they don't. And that is probably a big component of, I think who goes through. Um, but Don't expect Real Madrid to walk all over Atalanta. That that is not going to happen. I I think what we should expect to happen is Real Madrid will do their best to absolutely pummel Atalanta at home and go 110%, and then probably be a little more conservative when they go to Italy. I think that's, in all likelihood, what's going to happen. But if I had to pick who goes through, like, it's my way too early predictions, probably going to choose Real Madrid if that's a big if. Karim Benzema, Sergio Ramoses, and Luka Madrid's of the world are playing in both games. And I think Zidane will probably prioritize you know, that lineup for those two games. So I'll I'll look out for that. And I think I think Real Madrid, like I said, are in a good spot, but they they're getting a little luck. I don't know if that'll continue all the way through February, as objective as I can be. Um but they're they're in a decent spot now.
1: Yeah, I, I think they'll yeah, I, I think like you said, they'll they'll need those core players still for the rest of the season to be successful. And that's been made pretty obvious by how their form has been up and down um the last couple of months. But you know, yeah, this this team who knows what it looks like in February, but I I imagine that this team is, will stabilize in some sense in the, throughout the next couple of months. And I don't know if that means that they'll be making a legitimate a serious serious title challenge because all this being said even with the win against Atleti Atleti has two games in hand on Real Madrid and they're tied on points right now so it it, it's still so far when they're only 12 games into the season we're not even a third of the way into the season so um it's we can't say that Atleti has a chance to really set. Has a chance to kind of put it out of reach, not at all. But Atleti, with those two games in hand, have a chance to give themselves a cushion at least for the for the next um, month or so. So, shall we move on to a bit more about Atleti? Yes. What happened in that game, and <laughs> and the fact that maybe maybe you can't rely on a thirty four year old. Luis Suarez, to, to at this point in his career, to do it every single game, right?
0: Well, yeah. And uh, so let's do two things. First off, let's point out that, okay, Suarez is coming back from COVID, which this is something Rihanna and I have talked about a lot, not necessarily on the pod, but just between the two of us. Like, I, I think we just because we don't know enough about the virus, it's hard to tell what sort of impacts that's going to have on you know, us as human beings, but more importantly, in this case, what that impact is going to be on athletes. And, I mean, we saw Paul Pogba, for example, come out and talk about how difficult difficult it was for him to recover, to breathe, you know, even after COVID had left his body. So for a 34-year-old that was overweight to begin with, it's probably going to have even worse effects, but but with that being said, I'm still going to be the first person to criticize Suarez for this performance. Rand, I want you to do me a favor. Take a guess how many touches Luis Suarez had
1: throughout the whole game. Oh. um, Just take a guess. I'm going to guess maybe 30? He had 10 touches the whole game. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. One of which was a shot that was blocked. Um,
0: But, yeah, Luis Suarez had 10 touches the entire game and really did not do anything. And this team looked a lot better when he went off. And it's kind of sad to see his decline. I don't want to focus on him as like the problem in this side, um, especially during this game. But Real Madrid, I think, did a really good job of isolating him from everyone else, from João Felix, from basically the entire midfield of your Carrascos and Cokes of the world. And most importantly, Real Madrid closed down Atletico anytime they got on the ball. Like Real Madrid's press... In the middle of the park was what saved them from this game, because time and time again, jean Felix would try to go on his runs that he always does. And most of the time that would work. But Real Madrid just played the numbers game and completely surrounded him, took him off the ball. Sometimes it led to a foul. Sometimes most of the time it was a it was a interception or uh, a tackle that was made successfully. And so, how else was Luis Suarez supposed to have a touch on the ball? I mean, he was completely isolated, surrounded by Nacho and and Varane, and just could not do anything with the ball um, when he did have it. So, it's not entirely Suarez's problem, but Atleti tried to play their more progressive, more you know, ball playing, <laughs> you know, theory that I have, I guess, and it it did not work. They, I think, they recognized that they had to go more direct and route one. In later in the second half, but by then it was too late. By then, Real Madrid, I mean, countered when necessary and basically held the ball when they had it, so uh, Atleti really, I think, messed up the game plan more than anything in this game.
1: Yeah, and and, and they, they only had their first shot of the game in the second half. Of, I think it was uh, Thomas Lamar, and that was probably their best chance of the game, and overall for like you said Suarez with his 10 touches he had one shot in the game and his first shot didn't come until like the 60th minute and it was from a shot from outside the box not even a shot in the box so (laughs) yeah they struggled they struggled and again like I said I'm not overall too worried because that's a hard game obviously playing Real Madrid but in general it's they always have a tough time playing against Real Madrid, even at the best of times. So... Yeah, um, yeah. that's a key point. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I don't think they should get too discouraged by that game because, like I said, they're still in a great position in the league. And, you know, they, they, they're not not too, enough to be discouraged for on, on my end in terms of how I, how I feel about them going forward. There's still not obviously it is what it is with the with the uh, chance creation and and all and whatnot there, um, but they do need more from their forwards outside of Leagues in terms of a goal scoring threat as well as as we feel like their midfield has played in in terms of supporting their forwards. There needs to be more end product up front, and it just showed you this past weekend. They can't realistically rely on Luis Suarez to be the the one and only, really. Right. Um. In terms of in terms of that sort of production.
0: The um, funny thing is, though, they they basically brought Luis Suarez in for these type
1: of games. You know what I mean?
0: Like they right. brought him in for the big games and for your Champions Leagues and your your bigger La Liga games. Not every game, but yeah, he's not. I, I'll I'll hold my tongue on this, but. Maybe we need a couple more data points to say whether or not he's doing well at Atleti because he's scoring goals. Maybe not against the best teams in the league or the world, but he's scoring them, so you have to give him some credit. But yeah, yeah,
1: are yeah, yeah, and and the, like like you said, like you said before, the the, the COVID recovery has got to play a factor in this, which is why you know, like I'm saying, they have to have someone else. To feel like they don't have to play Luis Suarez in every single one of these games as he's trying to recover from this respiratory illness right so and they can't really rely on Diego Costa to be that and and outside of him there's no one else really so. Who knows maybe maybe we see something in January maybe in January they have to go get a backup another striker that can at least you know fill in for Suarez because. You know, you're not playing him, you're not realistically playing him twice a week or three times a week yeah. or something like that. So they need that anyway. And if they're not, they don't feel like they're getting that from their other combinations of forwards, then they need to kind of supplement, supplement that, right? So,
0: well, it's not going to be Marcus Llorente because he plays right wing back <laughs> mid winger, yeah, whatever <laughs> that is. Um, but yeah, before his injury, Ralph Jimenez, I mean, how many times have we talked about that is the yeah. perfect, I mean, Atletico striker, but. It's a shame it really is a shame what happened with his injury okay. uh, it sounds like he's doing, doing better he's but... come back
1: yeah he came back to uh yeah. to training i think this week so yeah. he hasn't started training again but he was at he was the at the training, training ground yeah and so you know, maybe, different you know, things. Like, yeah yeah I, i'm thinking maybe a, in a month from now is when maybe he could actually start to get start to train again or something like that but hopefully yeah. we see him again by the end of the season but outside of that um Another one of the draws that from the Champions (laughs) League that that obviously has you know kind of piqued my interest because of (laughs) the teams involved. Atletico and Chelsea have been drawn in the round of sixteen.
0: Woo! Let's let's ask. I'll ask you the question. What are your thoughts on this draw?
1: I I think it's honestly out of all the second place teams. I find it hard to argue that there's a stronger side out of those second place teams that could have been drawn. Out of the teams, yeah, Chelsea could have drawn. Yeah. 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 I find it yeah, I find it hard to, to find it another <laughs> a, a tougher opponent. But <laughs> um and especially a tougher opponent for Chelsea specifically in terms of a team that has like Timo Werner that and you know have pace on the wings. <laughs> and it kind of needs some space in behind to, to try to play it into. Um, yeah, I can't think of a tougher team to, to come up against in that sense. Uh but yeah, it should be fun. It well actually I don't know now. I don't know why it's not it's, it's not, not gonna, gonna be, be fun. fun. Yeah. Let's yeah. let's point that out. <laughs> it's not gonna be fun. Um but it should be very interesting, you know. Uh, um it's gonna be really difficult, I think. And I, I said to Elias after the draw. Like I'm expecting, like Max, a total of three goals through <laughs> in the uh, two legs.
0: The over/under <laughs> is is two and a half, I believe. Yeah, it's gotta be. It's
1: gotta be two and a half. <laughs> 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 so no, it, it it's really hard to like, get a good gauge on these draws right now because it's, we're two months out, and who knows the injuries that will be that will be plaguing either one of these teams. Or of them yeah, teams by that point. Um, and I think many English teams are are going to be gassed by February.
0: Yeah, today, that's key.
1: Yeah, t- today they uh, ended up ruling against five subs again. Although they've they will be doing a trial of concussion subs, so that's a. Uh, that should be a very interesting thing for um, all the
0: concussions that are happening yeah. on a very regular basis, versus all the subs that need <laughs> to be made. Injuries. All <laughs> the <laughs> muscle
1: injuries that are yeah. literally happening in every every third Weekend. game. But, um, but yeah, it, but the fitness levels will be very interesting by that by that time. Because even even so, um, on the English side, you know, it's always very busy. But during this December and January time. Even La Liga is going to be pretty busy too. The, yeah, shortening yeah. Shortened winter break, um, more midweek games during December, so it'll be really interesting to see the fitness levels of really all of these sides going into that um, round of sixteen. But especially, I think yeah, a team from England, Chelsea, and then um, Atletico Madrid, who you expect will be right up there in for probably in first, or you know, if not in first very close second and, yeah. and still very much in the title race at that point and you know let's see what where the intensity is uh, we always expect the intensity from um Diego Simeone but it's coming uh, yeah but uh <laughs> but yeah it'll be it'll be really interesting to see I think the fatigue level of of both teams especially like you know like I said the Letty side is the way that they play is a lot more meant needs a lot more mental fortitude and And we'll see how tired Chelsea may get trying to try to break them down. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be at least an interesting tactical matchup. It'll, it'll piss off Frank
0: Lampard. I can guarantee you that it'll piss him off how hard it is to break down this Atletico team. I mean, you should take a playbook out of Real Madrid's, you know, (laughs) tactical analysis, but of course, I don't think you have the players to execute that. Now, if I had to choose based on form right now, a team that would go through, I mean, it's pointless, but I'd probably lean towards Atletico just because of how consistent they are defensively. And from what I've seen Chelsea, I think their ceiling is higher. And I've, I've said this, right. Chelsea are still my favorites with the Premier League, but at the same time in two one-off games, I can absolutely see how Atletico just mastermind the defensive, you know, play and and counterattack with, you know, Lorente and jean and yeah. whatever is left of Jan
1: Carrasco and and Luis Suarez. <laughs> yeah, it, and similar to what we were saying about Real Madrid, like on the Chelsea side, it's gonna be really important. Is Hakim Ziyech gonna be able to play in that game? Because that, oh my god, that's that, huge. Because that's the type of that's the type of game that you need yep. that exact type of player. And so a winger to make awesome. space. Who knew? And, and and you know, someone to actually try to play the balls that that Hockey Zia tries to play, like that's the exact type of balls that you need. Just a little something different when there's just not a lot of space in behind. The, the, the passes himself have to create the space, right? So, um, but yeah, it should be interesting. First time Chelsea have played um, Atletico Madrid in the Champions League since uh, 2014, the 2014 yeah. semifinal, um, which was oh, that was a hoot. <laughs> Jose Mourinho, yeah, which was either Mourinho's first game back, or for, first um first season back at Chelsea the second time, um and Atletico went through. I think two one was the was the final score. ended up going into extra time, but should be fun no matter what.
0: It'll be, it'll be fun either way. But let's uh let's take a quick break, Rion, before I go on my Barcelona rant. Um, it won't be as much of a rant of a rant this time around, but. Take a quick break, and we'll uh, we'll be back talking a little Barcelona. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back talking a little Barcelona this time around. A team that uh, went from two losses in a row to Cadiz and, of course, a 3-0 smashing against Juventus to two wins in a row against Loli Levante, unfortunately. Um, I feel like that was disrespectful to Levante fans. Let me let me apologize for <laughs> that. A, a team that is facing relegation, we squeaked out a win at home. Um, but more importantly, more impressively, Real, we went on to beat Real Sociedad yesterday, recording this on Thursday, so on Wednesday, against the, I guess the team that's no longer league leaders, but have been league leaders for the longest time. Um, that, to me is somewhat impressive, even though it's a game they should still be winning and slash need to win. I was I was very impressed with this team in the first half of the Real Sociedad game, and I was not impressed with this team at all
1: during the Levante game. So, very nice change of pace that I saw. So, I'm happy with that. I'll take it. <laughs> nice, nice. And you, and you should be very happy with the first half of that game. I mean, Barca... It was funny. Beginning of the game, you'd say... That on the run of play, associated's goal comes just after Barca have a few really good chances to score first half, and for pretty much then until the last maybe fifteen minutes of the game, Barca had pretty good control, pretty good handle on on the game for the most part, and then I think sometime in the last twenty minutes, associated had some had a few really good chances to. Get the equalizer, Alexander Isak. I think twice gets really good positions to to score, especially a, I think it's like a a one on one late in that second half, and one of his touches is just a little too firm and takes it too close to a uh, Stegen, and in the end, Sociedad don't really take the last few chances that they had at the end at, in the last uh, ten or so minutes of that game, but. I think overall a, a good win, a good performance from Barca. A good way to follow up. Yes, the Levante game wasn't as, wasn't as impressive, but they got the points and hats off to Pedri especially um against Sociedad. He was he was fantastic. Oh, he was he was amazing. And I think we need to talk about some of those chances that uh he was
0: directly involved in too, but more importantly like th- this Barcelona side First off, let me point out, did not have Coutinho in the starting lineup.
1: It's almost like <laughs> having... I mean, I mean, I'm not even I mean, I mean, Yeah, go on. I don't need to... I don't think I need to say anything. Oh, no,
0: we don't We don't need to say... It's It's not a Coutinho problem. It's just like you can't play three attacking midfielders in the same space, on the same so, pitch. It's not like saying it's a Coutinho problem. <laughs> <laughs> but um... I mean, it is a problem with him being on the team, unfortunately, but it's not his direct fault. But yes, a, a team that actually somewhat played with wingers, Martin Brathwaite almost played as a left winger. And interestingly enough, Pedri kind of played as a right winger and they kind of swapped a lot between him and Griezmann. Um, but it seemed to work because it gave this team width It's something that Dembele and Atsufati, first off, are needed in the team, but would have done had they been healthy. And that's exactly what Ronald Koeman needs to get out of his players. It's width. I've been saying it since the Valverde days, but that problem has not ever gone away. And, yeah... I'm just I'm just saying if Dembele was on the pitch you would have had two goals based on the positions that our players were getting in um but yes Pedri specifically did have an amazing game he blocked that Alexander Isak chance you know to equalize slamming into the post and probably was taken out oh, after yeah. I'm sure what was a massive bruise on his either I think lower or upper hip or kind of his mid thigh I'm not sure where but somewhere in that area did not look pretty, but he got up and walked walked it off. So props to him. I guess if if there's one thing that I took away from this game is that Barcelona still don't look comfortable. You know what I mean? Like, there's a time where I would watch Barcelona, and if they played like this in the first half, I'd be like, all right, I feel very confident we're going to win this game. It's just a matter of time. Now it's like, okay, we're playing well, but what's going to happen in the 70th minute? And that's kind of the theme with this team right now. And that sort of confidence isn't great, <laughs> but it's getting better ever so slightly and very slowly. Um I just hope that Messi stays around, but he probably won't. I'm hoping that he does. But we do have Valencia on Saturday um at home, thank God. So that will be another very entertaining game against a team that is unfortunately also struggling. So I'm very I'm I'm muted in my celebrations. Let's say
1: that. <laughs> uh yeah, you should you should be a little encouraged. Just three wins in the last four since since losing to Atletico Madrid. And look well, I, I don't know what the expectations are fully for the rest of the season for for Barcelona. I, I don't know how high the expectations should be set. It should still be just I think right now for targeting top 4 because it's a really is a transition season. There's presidential elections next month there's a very good chance that their coach will not be the coach next season there's a decent no, chance there's there's a hundred percent chance <laughs> yeah. Next yeah. That's, yeah 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 the money is there yeah yeah assuming the money's there assuming that the the dutch fa is ready to pay off <laughs> the rest of his contract too but um come back my love <laughs> but yeah, I mean, a lot of things will be changing with this team um, during the offseason next year, next summer. So it's uh, it should be about getting guys like Pedri and Ricky Puig into the team right now and, and getting them time to acclimate to the team as, like I said, a transition happens, right? But obviously I don't think Ronald Kuman can – coach like that because that would be assuming it would be him assuming that he's just not going to be there and and um but professionally he he probably does not think that or he probably still thinks he has a chance to be the coach again if things go well so i i think he's still thinking about it results more than um you know progressing the squad as a whole like looking forward looking longer term um doesn't really have that security so I I don't blame him for not thinking not uh coaching and picking his teams in that fashion either it's a fair point um he's I never really
0: thought about it like that you kind of give me a little little bit think about because he's kind of in a weird position where he has to win but how do you do that with youth right how do you how do you kind of confidently put out a team and say okay this is my best 11 when they're comprised of teenagers it's it's a completely valid point But I will say that having watched Ricky Pooj play consistently, um, he's amazing. So (laughs) I don't know why you wouldn't play him as if he was a, you know, player coming into his prime or a senior level, you know, player basically because he has that level of talent. I mean, it's Xavi, Iniesta, all the, the greats have publicly said, like, this kid is the truth. Like, he really knows how to ball. And for some reason, Ronald Koeman there was a report actually out the other day that he just complete completely outed Ricky Pooch oh, yes. for going to the media apparently for uh, for narking. Yeah, you, know, you got to give him a
1: hand. You got to give him a hand, Ron <laughs> for that because we do not we do not condone narcs on the Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, Ricky
0: Pooch will not be coming on the podcast, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I mean, he basically just outed Ricky Pooj, as the papers and the reports say, in front of the whole locker room. Like, just went off on him public, and apparently it didn't sit well with a lot of people. Uh, I wonder know why. <laughs> yeah, just, that makes sense. <laughs> but yes, again, there's a weird relationship there, but I think the TLDR is that Barcelona... Still have a higher ceiling. Still need to show consistency. I think Valencia this weekend is a very, very big turning point because if they can put in a good performance, then I think they're they're in a massive step in the right direction. If they don't, then I think it's just signs of stagnation. Um, but yeah, that's where Barcelona are at. And I think, I think our Champions League draw only
1: made all of the season even more bittersweet. Just wonderful. So, so of course Ellis is speaking about Barcelona drawing PSG for what feels like the sixth time in like eight <laughs> years or something. Right? There is <laughs> a history. There is a history. Yeah. Again, it, it was it's two months out, obviously, and Yeah. Injury wise I'm gonna say this injury wise, we have no clue if Neymar's gonna be playing in that game. Like Let's let's
0: assume for a second that he is. For for yeah. argument's sake, because yeah. I hate myself, why not? Um Neymar plays in this game, he's flanked by what will likely be Di Maria and Mbappe. So you think to yourself, huh? Neymar, Mbappé, Di Maria. That's a pretty good starting front three. Then you look at Barcelona's back four, you say, Jordi Alba, Rip. Uh, then you say Clement Longley who's had a terrible season rip then you say okay well uh, if PK's back that's okay probably won't be but okay and then uh, Ronald Araujo who's a youth team player just basically about to get promoted very young and inexperienced and then Serginio Dest who can at least attack and can defend well Um, yeah that that back line is going to get cooked absolutely like (laughs) like grilled on a cast iron pan until it is well done it is i am not looking forward to that matchup because oh the things that i've seen neymar do both at barcelona and at psg it's it should be illegal in about 48 states i don't I don't know how he does it, but yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. The ultimate, the ultimate move I would say is if Messi went to PSG in January and came back and was like, I'm back, bitches, that, then I, I'm going to cry. Then
1: <laughs> it's just not worth even watching. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we should say, I mean, look, I'm sure that the motivation factor will 100% be there for PSG. So no, no matter, no matter how, no matter their form going into the game, um, They're going to be up and ready for that game. But we should say that they they haven't been quite at their best this season league-wise, right? In Ligue 1, granted, they're only behind by one point, but they're sitting second after 15 games. Uh, Lil is sitting in first on 32 points, PSG with 31. But yeah, things haven't gone quite their way this year in in, Ligue 1. And I feel they're always... A few weeks, uh, like a two-week span away from Thomas Tuchel being potentially fired. It, it, it's It felt like a very uh, touch-and-go, especially the start to their season was very poor in, in the league. And then you threw in their poor result against Manchester United in the first um, day of the Champions League. And it, it seems like every few weeks, Thomas Tuchel is on the hot on um, really thin, thin ice in terms of the results and in terms of what he's getting out of the players. But at the same time, it, this is a different PSG team than the last six or seven years. Well, one of those big reasons being that they haven't really replaced Thiago Silva and they they didn't really replace him at all, actually, over the time. I mean, they
0: literally let him leave. Yeah, <laughs> They yeah, did the opposite.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so they're not are They haven't looked as... Secure at the back Especially in the Champions League And Up front Mauro Cardi Who Started very well When he first went to PSG Is Having a hard time Getting a consistent run of games And so It is A huge Huge reliance More than in the past On Killing Mbappe And Neymar And it, it feels at times When I watch them play That You know The, the team is more and more Like you know, give it to one of these two guys and and the team just seems more disjointed than than ever than i think um at least any other point in the Tuchel's uh time as a coach so Let's, there's there's some there's there's some areas to exploit i think for barcelona there and I, and I don't think psg will be able to walk over them
0: i i agree um and i'm gonna definitely bite my words on that but i, I the only thing that i would point out is that let's just say that psg probably made to the champions league final last year a because it was not a two-legged affair and b because their draws no 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 realistically their draws were relatively easy like that that is in large part because it was a completely different format and they got lucky draws but they are still a very good side i don't think they're gonna you know beat this barcelona side 8-2 in one game or anything like that but i can absolutely see them pulling away from Barcelona early in the you know the first leg and having it being done and then another remontada. Uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> I had to. I had to. Oh god. Ha- having been there, I just want to point out to our listeners, having been there for that game, the six one against PSG in person, I peaked. I peaked about three years ago.
1: And I've never Never look back up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Bar- yeah, you're right. Barcelona also peaked in that moment. Like, <laughs> the, the second yeah. half of the 2010s, that was their peak. And exactly. it has pretty much been downhill since then.
0: Yeah, um, we're like the worst stock ever.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, all in all, it should be, obviously, there'll be so much.
0: There it is, man.
1: Fo- That is not... <laughs> football related that 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 um will be talked about going into this game and so we'll have enough of that to talk about as as the as the tie approaches but
0: well what happens do, on last that, last point who do you, who do you take over two legs
1: I I mean so just on right now yeah, yeah I sure guess you've got to give you you have to probably say PSG at the moment um yeah it's just more to do with Barcelona than PSG, honestly, because 100%. You know, I, I don't see this PSG team making it to the semifinal again this year. So,
0: agreed, agreed. Yeah. And the one thing that I would say is that either team that it does not go through, it's going to be a massive disappointment. I mean, it could basically cost yeah. either manager their job.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. I think it almost definitely will cost Thomas Tuchel his job. If, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think. They're not the same team they were last season, um, and yeah, they're just there are as many or sorry, as much as this season has been weird, will be weird, and the and very likely we'll get a real surprise team probably in a semifinal or something like that. Um, it, it still feels like a bit too tall of a task for um, for PSG. This year, uh, I thought last year was their was really their shot, and and in that final they had chances to uh, score against Bayern. So I, I think maybe they'll look back on that being like their their chance, but I can't rule anything out. Of course, we'll we'll have to see how things actually are in, in February.
0: It's a waiting game, basically. That's yeah. all it is. But that's very true. Well, I think that wraps up our La Liga portion couple of uh, important games coming up later in the month between basically all the three top three teams. But uh, the first one being Barcelona-Valencia at the weekend. And uh, we'll see where life takes us from there. So thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week talking more about the results from England. Of course, we'll be talking about Spurs-Liverpool. And uh, we'll bring you some of the league action as well. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good one.
1: Thanks, guys.